we weren't ready. Now we're ready. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to the Vineyard. As we continue on in our study through the Old Testament, we are working through the Old Testament a chapter at a time. This takes a lot of perseverance. Uh, we did the. We started with the New Testament. When I told you we started, it would take 20 years. We're seven years in. Um, we've done it every Wednesday, more or less. Uh, we went through the entire New Testament, and now we're working through the Old Testament. We're 24 chapters into the book of Exodus today. So we've done all of Genesis, and we're, we're working our way through the entire Old Testament, a chapter at a time. Um, in each book, there's things to remember uh, to sort of... Uh, if you can log them in your brain, and I usually try and, you know, four or five things. Okay, what's the book of Exodus about? The book of Exodus, the things that you need to remember are the Passover. These are the big deals, and we spent 12 chapters looking at the Passover, 12 or 13. Um, and the parting of the Red Sea is another significant deal that happens in Exodus. Then the giving of the law, which is what we've just been talking about, and then the tabernacle. Those are the four big things that you need to know about in the book of Exodus. To, you know, if you're ever in a sort of a thing, you can just stick those in your brain and you go, okay, I know, I know kind of what's going on in the book of Exodus. When you can break down the Bible like that, if someone is talking about the Bible, and um, it doesn't happen as much as it used to. There was a time when people would talk about Scripture and they couldn't find them easily. And so they would come and they used to ask me all the time, where is this Scripture? And, I, you know, if you had an idea of sort of the, what was happening in each book, you could get pretty close you could get in the neighborhood of the scriptures anyway. But that's not really necessary anymore. Can you just Google it now? And uh, it comes up with the exact address. But it's still good to know what's going on and why it's going on. And so those are the things I think if you remember about the Exodus, uh, that they'll be very helpful. So now we're up to Exodus 24. Uh, Exodus 24 is sort of the Old Testament counterpart to the... Um, um, in, in Matthew 17, you know, the, the, the Mount of Transfiguration, you remember when that happens and, and Jesus goes up on the mountain and all of a sudden, you know, he's, Moses shows up and Elijah and they're transfigured, uh, Jesus is, and, and um, so there's a mountain in that one and there's Jesus and there's Moses. And, and uh, what you're going to have happen now in, in this situation here in the Old Testament is we're going to have a mountain, we're going to have Moses and um, we're going to have Jesus too, in a, in a couple of different ways. Uh, and we'll talk about that more. One is a, a Christophany, uh, um, where Jesus appears um, in his pre-incarnate state, which is most likely what's going on. And also, it represented in the person of Joshua, in some ways too. Uh, so you'll start seeing some of these things happen as we go. So be looking for those things in Exodus 24. Remember, we just finished uh, the chapters 20 through 23 which um, were uh, the, the law of God and the law of Moses. We broke them down. The Ten Commandments and then the law of Moses, also known as the Book of the Covenant. And the Book of the Covenant was written down, we find out. Um, and, and it was, uh, you have to think of it as sort of their constitution uh, of this new theocracy where God would be in charge and he's telling his people how to, this is how they're going to deal with each other in community as the people of God. And so the book of the covenant then is, is sort of the, it's the founding document, if you would, for the nation of Israel. So I, I always try in my mind is sort of, you know, it's their constitution, if you would, that was written for them there and spoken to them there. And um, the, the, uh, the people had already heard uh, from Moses what God had appointed for them as a covenant nation. And, and they were unlike any other nation at the time 
um, the people of Israel didn't just look randomly to unknown powers of heaven to protect them and prosper them, um, but they understood themselves now as, uh, as a people belonging to God, separated and dedicated to Him. And they existed to serve God, uh, to worship them, to worship Him, you know, all in, and to make Him known to the other nations of the earth. See, this, they were different than every other, every other nation that existed. They were called out um, as, as this special people of the Lord. And they were to find their identity in Him and Him alone. And so this, this book of the covenant that we've just gone through over the last few chapters, um, their national constitution, and, and it gave to them amazing privileges from the Lord as the sovereign of the universe. And, and um, he was to be acknowledged as the one who set the, the tone uh, of how his community would live, and they were to live that way rather than just sort of living to serve themselves. They needed to know they were a part of something much bigger and that they were to live um, with this bigger picture in mind, that their purpose in life was to glorify God, to make him known to the world around them. That was... Um, the, the sort of founding mission, if you would, of God's people, the nation of Israel, when things started back there in the book of Exodus. So what we have going on now is um, the, the promise that the Lord gave uh, to the people in Exodus chapter 6 is now moving into its third phase. Um, he had promised that he would redeem them in, in Exodus. Uh, he, they would redeem his people. He's taken them as a people unto himself. So he moved them out, you know, with the parting of the Red Sea, the Passover, the parting of the Red Sea. And now he's made them his own people by giving them these founding documents, if you would, this, this uh, way to live, this, this uh, book of the covenant that they had. They had a covenant. And now he's about to come and actually dwell among them and be their God. He's, he's been there, you know, fire by night and day and all those things. But, but now the tabernacle is going to, God is, is actually going to come and dwell in their midst, in the tabernacle. Um, so, you know, the, it's important that we, um, we sort of get a hold of the tabernacle now because, you know, so we, we're now tabernacle, right? We're, God comes and dwells in us. Uh, this is an amazing thing because of what Jesus has done, but there's a lot of stuff that we're going to read about in the development of the tabernacle that has these really rich spiritual truths uh, and lessons for us to learn today. So it's not a real long chapter. Let me read it to you, and I'll talk about it a little bit on the other side. Exodus chapter 24, it's 18 verses. I'm going to read out of the NIV starting in verse 1. Then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. You are to worship at a distance. But Moses alone is to approach the Lord. The others must not come near, and the people may not come up with him. When Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice, Everything the Lord has said, we will do. I just wish they followed through. <laughs> Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. He got up early the next morning, and he built an altar at the foot of the mountain, set up 12 stone pillars, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And then he sent young Israelite men, and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as fellowship offerings to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood and put it in bowls, and the other half he sprinkled on the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. 
And they responded, we will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel went up and saw the God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a pavement made of sapphire, clear as the sky itself. But God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God, and they ate and drank. And the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and stay here, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and commands I have written for their instruction. Then Moses set out with Joshua, his aide, and Moses went up on the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we come back to you. Aaron and her are with you, and anyone involved in a dispute can go to them. When Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it, and the glory of, of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days the cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. To the Israelites the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Then Moses entered the cloud as he went up on the mountain, and he stayed on the mountain forty days and forty nights. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Lots of stuff is going on here. Let's, uh, let's just break it down a little together this evening. So the first eight verses actually connect back to, way back to chapter 20. Now we're in, in 24. When, when God called Moses uh, to ascend up the mountain and to bring with him the 70 elders, Aaron and Aaron's sons. Uh, Aaron's sons are Nadab and Abihu. Those are Aaron's sons. And so um, Moses shares the word of God, just seeking the story, with all the people. He tells them, the, the, you know, he reads the, the words of God to them, tells them the book of the covenant. They promise to obey everything that God has told them to do. Um, and then he writes it all down. So he spoke it to them, and then he writes it all down, um, which means he wrote down, you know, the Ten Commandments and the book of the covenant. He wrote all this stuff down. Um, but more than just their promises... Because it's easy to promise that you're going to do everything right, right? Anybody ever make that promise? Uh, all of us have probably promised that at some time and fallen a little short. Um, so, so he writes it all down, and then the next morning he, he actually gets up and he builds an altar so they, they'll remember what they promised. And this altar is of 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And then there's an offering that takes place. The young men um, that were set aside to serve as priests, they offer sacrifices to the Lord. Um, because it was necessary to seal this covenant with blood. And, and um, some of the blood was sprinkled on the altar that uh, God had forgiven his people of their sins. And then, and then Moses actually reads the book of the covenant to them again. And they affirm once again their willingness to obey. Then he takes the rest of the blood uh, in the basins and he sprinkles the book. And he sprinkles all the people with the blood. So... Um, so when we, you know, there, there's a picture of that too, right? So we saw the first encounter when we were dealing with blood was in the Passover, do you remember? And they took the blood of the lamb that they had slaughtered and they put it on the doorposts. And when the angel of death saw the blood of the lamb, he passed over them and they were spared um, from death. And it was a symbolic picture of what Jesus would do when he came as the lamb who takes away our sins and his blood, we're, we're covered by his blood so in effect, now the angel of death passes over us because we live um, with him forever. We will physically die, but spiritually, we're, uh, once we're made alive in Christ, we're, we're in Christ you, you live forever. And so it's a picture of that whole process. And, and again, you'll see pieces of things like that 
throughout the Old Testament. So, so with the sprinkling of blood and the shedding of the blood and the sprinkling of the blood, the covenant, um, in effect, not only have they said they would do it, and, and um, um, the, this, the little sort of uh, altar has been built in remembrance of this, uh, and then um, it was ratified sort of with the blood uh, in this whole covenant process. And so um, what that means is God was now going to hold them to, to their promises. So they promise they will obey. God's certainly going to do his part. He's expecting them to do their part, and then but they're not, but that's okay. We'll get there. Um, then, verses 9 and 10, this is pretty interesting. So, it says that Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 of elders went up, uh, Israel, and saw the God of Israel. Now, the reason that's sort of a little, that ought to make you go, hmm, is that um, the New Testament, um, we have like John saying, no man has seen God at any time. And you have... Uh, First uh, Timothy saying, no man can approach him uh, whom no man hath seen nor can see. So it, it looks as though the scripture is saying that you, no one can see God. Uh, and we're, you know, we're pretty clear that that, that that was something that they couldn't do in the process. So um, you, you start wondering, okay, what is actually going on here? And it's not. Some people think it's like a punishment. It's not being a punishment for seeing God. It's that the glory of God, you couldn't, you couldn't handle it. Um, you, you would just die in the in the in the presence of the glory of God, full on, as as people with sin that hadn't been taken care of. Boop, you just don't. Your 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 heart would just stop to beat in the process. And yet we read Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the seventy elders all saw God. So, what was going on? Um, uh, there's a verse in in Numbers twelve eight that helps clear it up. And what it says in, in uh, Numbers 12.8 is that God says, With him, Moses, I speak mouth to mouth, and he beholds the form or likeness of God. He, they weren't actually seeing God. They were seeing a form or likeness, some sort of representation of God. Most likely, what they were seeing was uh, pre-incarnate Christ, who shows up from time to time in the Old Testament. So before he came and took on flesh, he existed, right? He always was. You know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, always have been. Not, not like all of a sudden Jesus came on the scene at Christmas 2,000 years ago. That's when we, we, we got, you know, incarnate Jesus, but he existed. And these occasions when, when these things happen are um, usually an example of a pre-incarnate Jesus on the scene before he took on flesh and yet still in some form was visible and... and um, and so it's most likely that, or it could be like in Revelation 4.3, that, that they're using words to describe, you know, like him, like a resemblance or a form. In Revelation 4.3 it said, and he who was sitting was like a jasper stone and a sardius in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in appearance. And so they see, that they, they know it's God, and they're, so they're seeing something that they know is God, but they can't really see God because it's, it's just not possible yet. Um, we get to in Christ. That's going to be cool. And, uh, you know, Jesus says if we've seen him, we've seen the Father. So that's pretty cool too. So there's a lot of neat stuff going on. But all that's tied in. So if you wonder what's happening in those verses, when you read them, there's, a, there's an explanation for how those things tie together. Uh, in verse 10 it says, Under his feet 
was something like a pavement made of sapphire, clear as the sky itself. I like that. So, so think about this. So under the feet of Jesus was transparent blue pavement. I, and I like that. If you get it, if you think about it, so you, like, you, ever, you ever feel like you're in something over your head? Whatever's over your head is under his feet. I like that. It's a good picture. So, so I just kind of think, I mean, think about sky. You know, it's like transparent blue pavement to the Lord. It's a pretty neat picture. In verse 13, Moses sets out with Joshua by his side. Joshua is Moses' aide, and um, Moses went up to the mountain of God. Takes Joshua with him. Now, Joshua is the Old Testament form of the name Jesus. So in effect, Moses takes Jesus, if you would, with him. Symbolically, but it's happening. And um, it had to be this way, because you're going to find, as we continue on in the story, without Joshua, Moses' ministry would be incomplete. Because um, it's, it's Joshua who's eventually going to lead the people into the promised land. So when you, when you look at these things and what they represent, Moses represents the law. And, and the law can only take you to the edge of the promised land. It shows you how things ought to be, but you, you can't enter into the promises of God through the law because we're not able to keep it. So this is the picture that's happening. But Jesus says, I am the way. And, and so the law was given by Moses, the Bible tells us. Grace came by Jesus, and it's only by grace that we're saved that we can actually enter the promised land. So when you see Moses and you wonder, well, it's a shame Moses couldn't get in. All he could ever do was see the promised land. It's a picture of the fact that the law can't get you there. It's a, it's a beautiful picture, but Joshua can, who is, that's the name of Jesus in the, in the Bible. It's, a, it's an amazing sort of weaving of this picture taking place because you can't get in to the promised land by the law, only by grace, and Jesus is the one who brings grace into the world. So you'll see it develop that it's, it's the people going with Joshua, you know, 40 years, 38 years from this point in time because they could have been there in two weeks, but they didn't follow directions well. Uh, verse 14, he said to the elders, wait for us until we come back to you. Aaron and her are with you, and anyone involved in a dispute can go to them. So you're going to find out uh, in a few chapters when we get back together that um, Aaron does not take care of things very well. And by the time Moses and Joshua come back down, the people are in a full-blown rebellion um, at the end of the 40 days. They can't, you know, they're not very patient. You've seen that, right? We know that now because we've been studying them. You see how quickly they change their minds, like two, three days at <laughs> tops. So for them to wait 40 days, looking at the mountain on fire, and they're like, Moses never coming back. We better do something else. Uh, they're going to end up, and Aaron should have known better, and he doesn't. Um, we don't know about her, but we don't hear, like, her didn't blow it, so maybe her, but he wasn't in charge either. Um, but Aaron fails miserably, and um, um, they didn't need to, but they went in that direction. Uh, in verses 15 and 16, so when Moses goes up on the mountain, the cloud covers it, and it says, the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days the cloud covered the mountain. The seventh day the Lord called to Moses from in the cloud. And um, so it's another picture because in First Thessalonians it says, the Lord himself shall descend in the cloud and will hear his voice. So this is a biblical picture of something that we've already seen in the Old Testament, and we're looking for that whole thing, the Lord coming in a cloud, and we're going to hear His voice out of the, out of the glory of the cloud once again. Um, and then uh, 
Those last couple of verses, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Moses entered the cloud as he went up on the mountain, and he stayed on the mountain 40 days, 40 nights. And, um, and so that's the setup of the story. When we get back next week, we look at Exodus 25, we're going to start seeing and talking about everything that God told him there, which is pretty significant. Because he's going to lay out for Moses what the tabernacle is supposed to look like. And it's just filled with really neat little things that uh, you'll be able to start to see and pick up about how they relate to us today and what that means. But that's enough out of that chapter. And so, you know, you're starting to look, you're starting to see types of things in the Old Testament and how they apply to us today. And I think it's a great picture from 24. So Lo Moses represents the law. The law couldn't get him. He got him close to the promised land but couldn't get him in. They could see it and they knew that was supposed to be but they couldn't held up their end of the deal. So it took grace to move him through and that comes from Jesus and that's pictured in Joshua in the whole process. All right? So get a hold of that for today. That's good enough. If you're watching by video, thanks for watching. Appreciate you doing that. Come and visit us when you can. If you need prayer, go to the website. Love to see you soon. Bye.